Hi, welcome to the Holton Baptist Church podcast. We are really glad that you have joined us and we pray that the message you're about to hear will really bless you, encourage you and help you to encounter God afresh for yourself. Great to have you with us. Enjoy. I'm going to ask you in a moment to call to mind a picture of somebody. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to describe this person, and you're going to picture this person in your mind. Okay, so you don't have to close your eyes if you don't want to. You don't have to, uh, you know, uh, do anything specific. Just, just close, you know, just bring an image of this person to mind. So I'm just going to say a word. Spiritual. Spiritual. And what does this person look like to you? What does a spiritual person look like to you? Perhaps you're thinking of someone well-known, a, a major church leader or a big figure, perhaps from one of the people that, that wrote those prayers that Vicky uh, so wonderfully shared with us just now. Perhaps you're thinking of someone you know. Perhaps you're thinking of a, a, an elder saint or someone who just seems to have got it that you've met in your life. Perhaps, perhaps you're thinking of someone in this church and you're thinking, oh, if I was just more like them, if I was just like them, if, if I did that, if I ticked those boxes, if I fired all those sinners, I'd be getting an A on my church report card. Perhaps you're thinking of a great preacher, a worship leader, someone who can weave intricate, beautiful, perfect prayers off the top of their head that seem to move mountains and, and cause the very atmosphere to change. Perhaps you're thinking of someone who serves with such a humble heart, who literally has Jesus thrown out of every pore that they have. Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Isn't it? That's what it's all about, isn't it? Being the most spiritual person. Isn't it? It isn't, by the way. We often get this wrong in our understanding and in our own discipleship, our following of Jesus in our lives. We get our thinking backwards. We end up thinking that if we just do something a little better, if we were just a bit of a better prayer, if we were just a bit of a more humble servant, if we just had this gift or that gift or the other gift, then we would get it all right. We give the priority to a gift rather than to the one who gives the gifts. We get our thinking backwards, and that, friends, can only lead to discontentment at best and division at worst. Because misunderstanding the gifts of the Spirit, misapplying them, misusing them, is one of the quickest ways to destroy a healthy faith. It's one of the quickest ways to destroy an otherwise healthy church. But, but if we get our heads around them, if we understand them, if we grasp their purpose, if we grasp what they're for, how to use them, well then, then we're cooking with gas. Omelettes, no problem. So this morning, we're beginning a new series exploring the gifts of the Spirit, and we're looking at 1 Corinthians, and specifically chapters 12, 13, and 14, but we're doing it in a bit of a different way. We're not going to actually be looking very much at the specific gifts that are mentioned in these passages, 
but more we're going to be exploring our attitudes and our understandings around those gifts, how those gifts are used, like Vicky said, to build, to come together, to build the church, the kingdom of God, because ultimately that's what we're all about, isn't it? Building the kingdom of God. We want to see God's kingdom here on earth, and we want to see this church as an outpost of that kingdom, a small slice of heaven sitting here on Old London Road in Hastings. So we're going to clear up some potential misunderstandings over the next four weeks. Uh, Today, we're going to dive into the origin of the gifts, the, the source of those gifts, where they come from. That's today's sermon. Next week, we're going to look at the purpose of those gifts. Now, there's going to be some overlap each week between different things because Paul wasn't writing a series of uh, individual sermon outlines so that preachers could say, well, you know what, this week I'm preaching on 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 to 11, and this is exactly the one message that comes out of it. Paul was writing a letter, one of many letters actually, to the church in Corinth. So it's, it's not a little divided up piece, it's a whole letter. So you'll find some overlap. But this week, origins. Next week, purpose. In week three, we're going to be thinking very much in depth about why the gifts by themselves don't matter because there's something more important than that. And I don't want to give you a spoiler alert, but it's love. So if you want to hear all about love, come back in three weeks' time. I mean, come back next week as well, but definitely come back in three weeks' time to hear about love. And in week four, we are going to focus on a few of the gifts a little bit in more detail, but we're going to think about how and why we use them. I hope that sounds good to you. It's too late if it doesn't, because that's what we're committed to for the next four weeks. And I hope that this series will bless you. I hope that we will grow in it, in our understanding of the Holy Spirit, in our understanding of the gifts, and in our understanding of how we use the gifts of the Spirit to encourage one another and to build up the church. So we have this uh, letter 1 Corinthians, actually, it's likely to be at least the second letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And it's one of many. There are scholars who are trying to reconstruct the lost letters, the lost letters of Paul to the church at Corinth. And it's worth remembering this. It's worth remembering that this isn't just a letter that Paul has sent out of the blue to the church, because he's got some quite challenging things to say. This is a letter that Paul writes from the place of being in a relationship with the church. This is really significant. Paul is writing from a place of intimate involvement, of knowledge of the community to which he is speaking. He's writing to them as people who he loves, people who he cares about, and people who have frankly taken a wonderful thing and got it completely backwards. So when Paul gets a little bit passionate. When Paul gets a little bit directive, we know that he's doing that not from a place of ignorance, but from a place of being in a loving relationship with this church. Clearly, the church at Corinth is one he has had a lot of contact with. In fact, it's probably during his second uh, mission campaign that Paul visits Corinth. He spends some time there, about 18 months altogether in Corinth. And he sets up this Christian community. So it's not just a plant that he's gone in and dropped this community and then gone off somewhere else. He's actually invested time and energy and effort into this church community. And the church at Corinth has kind of flourished. But... It's not without its problems. It's not without its problems. In fact, 
one preacher, when talking about the church at Corinth, describes it as a bit of a train wreck of a church. And really, if you go in and you read 1 Corinthians, you'll see that. You'll see that Paul has to address all these issues. The church at Corinth thinks it has got itself sorted. The church at Corinth thinks, we know this. We've got this. We're all over this. We're on top of this Christianity thing. You can't teach us nothing. And they haven't. They've got it completely wrong. They've got everything backwards. The things they think they're good at, they're not good at. The things they think they should be doing, they're not doing. The things they shouldn't be doing, they are doing. The church is a big mess. So friends, church conflict, church disagreement, church misunderstanding is nothing new. It's been going on since the very beginning. And this is a church that has first-generation contact, first-generation contact with the greatest apostle, some would say, of all. This is a church that knew Paul, that was planted by Paul, and they get it wrong. It's a lesson to learn here, something we can learn as one. The big issue at Corinth is a series of misunderstandings and misapplications, things that are basically dividing the church. And we can hear the pain in Paul's writing. A little bit earlier on in chapter 3, as we have the letter, Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Hard words. Hard words. Imagine if someone said those words to us here today. You can't have solid food because you're still spiritually immature. I want to speak to you like mature Christians, but I can't because you're getting it wrong. You're not there yet. Here is a church that should be spiritually mature. The church at Corinth should be spiritually mature, but it isn't. It isn't because pride and arrogance have taken over. And this is something that we all have to be careful of, something we all have to watch for in ourselves and in our churches as well, that pride and arrogance don't take over. So if you have your Bibles with you, or if you've got your notes on paper or on the app, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to be reading verses 1 to 11. Now, I'm going to read this out. It's going to come up on the screen, and it will be on your screens at home as well. But do, if you have a Bible, do follow it along. It's great. You know, Baptists are people of the book. That is what we are known as, people of the book, who should have our Bibles so that we understand where things are in context. So if you don't have a Bible with you, there's no judgment, no, no criticism, um, but do go and check this out in context when you get home. See what comes before it. See what comes after it. Put it in in that context. So let's read. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these... All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So here we see Paul is trying to clear up confusion. And what he writes to the church at Corinth, we can take to help clear up any confusion that we may be having as well. Now, we're going to start at the beginning of this, and actually, this is where we run into a, a time where, and a moment, there are not very many moments where the Bible isn't really very, very, very clear, but this is one of them, and it's one of them because we don't speak Greek. Okay, this is one of the moments right at the start of this portion of the letter where our inability to speak Greek, despite all of the best efforts of some of the greatest Greek teachers in Bristol, I still can't really speak a word of it, despite that... We have this translational insufficiency. So basically, what we translate is not quite the original meaning. So when Paul says, uh, do not be, I do not want you to be confused about the spiritual gifts, we've kind of taken the gifts bit and added it. So actually, what Paul is saying in the original Greek, according to people who know much more about this than I do, what Paul is actually saying is, do not be confused about the spiritual This isn't just about gifts. This isn't just about specific things. This is about the whole realm of our spiritual lives. Do not be confused about the spiritual nature of things, about the spiritual realm. So the lessons he's going to teach us are not just applicable to our gifts. They're applicable to everything about our spiritual lives. Do not be confused, brothers and sisters. So here's the first thing that the Corinthians were confused about, and that maybe we get confused about at time. We're all spiritual. We're all spiritual people. Amen? Amen. Amen. You see, the truth is, no one gets more of the Holy Spirit than anybody else. And this is the first misconception, and this is one that is, has been raging throughout the church for Donkeys is, well, it's been raging throughout the church since at least around 52 AD when this letter was written. No one gets more of the Holy Spirit. We are all filled with the Holy Spirit when we come to Christ. In Ephesians, Paul writes this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. This is us being filled with the Holy Spirit. We will often pray, Lord, I want more of your spirit. Lord, I want more. Fill me more of your spirit. More, more, more of your spirit. Come down, spirit, and fill me. It's a good prayer. It's the wrong prayer, but it's a good prayer. Because the truth is we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't get more of the Holy Spirit, but the spirit can get more of us. The spirit can get more of us. You want to know why some people seem to be more filled with the Holy Spirit than others? It's because they've gotten out of the way of the Holy Spirit. They don't have more of it. 
They didn't have some super special two-for-one offer when they came to Christ. They've just gotten out of the way of the Holy Spirit. In John, uh, John's Gospel, he writes, I must decrease so he may increase. You want more of the Holy Spirit? Great. Sacrifice more of yourself. Let more of the Holy Spirit show in your life. It's there. God is waiting. He's longing for you to give up all the stuff that's getting in the way. So instead of asking for more of the Holy Spirit, perhaps we should ask for a better understanding of how we are getting in our own way, how we are blocking the Spirit in our lives, how we are stopping the Spirit from manifesting fully in the way that God intends for the Spirit to manifest. The Corinthians are making this mistake. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit when they heard the gospel the message of truth, the good news of their salvation, when they believed they were marked with the seal of the Spirit. But they've continued to live. They've continued to act. They've continued to behave. They continue to think in their pagan ways. They've tried to take what was before and live that with Jesus' love, live that with the Holy Spirit. You cannot serve two masters, Jesus says. You cannot be pagan and spiritual at the same time. You cannot be pagan and Christian at the same time. You cannot be worldly and Christian at the same time. So how do we know we're spiritual? Because maybe we're sitting here now thinking, oh my gosh, that sounds like a really tall... How do I know if I'm getting in the way of the Spirit? How do I know... I'm a big fan of 70s progressive rock. Um, and in fact, one of my favorite things at the minute is to collect vinyl of 70s progressive rock. It's, it's like a new hobby for me. And one of the bands I really like is the band Genesis. And many of you will be familiar with Genesis, perhaps from their 80s pop phase. Not a high recommendation from me personally, but many of you will know this. And you might have heard their song, I Can't Dance, We Can't Dance. And in this, it says, I can't dance but you can tell me by the way I walk. Now, that's a, that's a pop song. But it's a fundamental Christian truth as well. You can tell if a person is filled by the Spirit because they live by the Spirit, because they exhibit the gifts of the Spirit, because they've got out of their own way, they've dropped all the stuff that isn't of God, and they're just embracing what God is doing. Now, Paul uses quite a specific example here. He talks about the way we speak, the way we talk. Jesus talks a lot about the way we talk as well. In Luke, he says this, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. How are our mouths speaking? What do our words reveal about us? What do our words, what do the things we say reveal about what is in our hearts? The Corinthians suffer from the same condition that all humanity suffers from, divided hearts. So they've got one foot firmly stuck in their pagan way of living, And they're just dipping their toe, maybe up to the ankle, dipping their foot 
in the way of Jesus. One foot in the pagan world, one foot in the world of Jesus. Paul says, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not suggesting that there are actually people going around saying, Jesus, be cursed. Hey, I'm a Christian. Jesus, be cursed. I don't think Paul is suggesting that that is what's happening. But you can curse Jesus with your words without cursing Jesus with your words. You can curse Jesus with your words when you're dismissive, when you're rude, when you're arrogant, when you're prideful, when you say things that are hurtful and mean and unkind and cruel to others, when you tear down instead of building up. Jesus be cursed. People in Corinth are refusing to make Jesus Lord. And Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Jesus is Lord. And that means he is in charge. That means he's the boss. He's the one we follow. He is the one who controls and directs everything we do. He's the one who sets the tone. He's the one who sets our path. He's the one who tells us how to live. And we live like that because Jesus is Lord. We want to be all in for Jesus, don't we? Don't we? We want to be all in for Jesus. We don't want to have one foot in the world and one foot in the camp of Christianity. We want to be all in for Christ. We want to let go of everything that is there and just jump full in, to wade in, to plow in, to be all in, sold out, flag-waving, banner-flying Jesus followers. Don't we? What's the treasure of our hearts? Is it Jesus? Is Jesus Lord of our lives? Where the treasure of our heart is, there is where we are. The second thing we need to know is that all the gifts come from God. We're all spiritual. We've all got the Holy Spirit. Equally, even if we're not living that, Yet, even if we're struggling, even if we're failing, even if we're tripping ourselves up, we've all got it. We can all get more of it by getting out of our own way. And when we do, God gives us gifts. But it's important to note that they come from God. They're not things we've earned. They're gifts from God. Uh, some of you may be familiar with the, uh, the runner Eric Liddell. You know Eric Liddell? The guy, the film Chariots of Fire was based on uh, part of his life. He was in, uh, he was in Chariots of Fire. Um, and he was once asked in an interview, why do you run? You know, he's a guy who's amazing at running. He was asked, why do you run? And do you know what he said? Because God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Awesome. Here is a guy who's been given this amazing gift of being able to run so, so fast. Here's a guy who's put effort and energy and time and passion and commitment and sacrifice into training to be better and better. But who's he thanking for? He's saying, God made me fast. And when I run fast, I feel God's pleasure. He's a guy who gets it. So the problem is that sometimes we're so focused on the gift, we forget the giver. We focus our attention on the gift and we forget the giver. And that way leads to idolatry. That way the treasure of our heart is the gift and not the giver of the gift. And the thing is that that just leads to disappointment and discouragement. 
Because no matter how good you are at something, someone else is better at it. You know, that's, that's just the truth. No matter how good you are at something, someone else is better at it. By the world's standards, at least. And you just end up feeling negative. And if you're not particularly gifted in an area because you're idolizing the gifts, that negativity gets compounded. I can't pray like that person. I can't praise like that person. I can't speak like that person. I can't do X, Y, Z as well as that person. Therefore, I am not a spiritual person. Therefore, I come to despise myself and God. Because why hasn't God given me that gift? Why can't I pray as well as that person? If only I could do that. You know, there's no ranking of Christians, right? There's no, God isn't sat there going, well, uh, this, this week, uh, so-and-so is number one, but this person didn't pray, you know, they, they said a wrong, wrong word. They prayed to the, as I once did, prayed to the statues of God rather than the statutes of God. Uh, so he's lost five points, so he's, he's slipped down the rankings. That's not how it works. There's no ranking of Christians. Just because someone prays eloquent prayers, it doesn't mean yours aren't any good, just because someone can preach the gospel for an hour and 50 minutes and everybody sits there, you know, not falling asleep, it doesn't mean you're no good. There's no ranking of Christians. And the other flip side of this problem when we make an idol of the gifts is, is the complete opposite. Instead of being negative, we become self-aggrandizing. I am better than all of you because I can pray longer. I am better than all of you because when I worship... You can really feel the spirit here. I am better than all of you because I have personally witnessed to nine people on my walk to church this morning. What nonsense is that? That isn't the gift of God. That's ego. That's ego. That's idolatry. That's taking something amazing and beautiful and wonderful, the gift of prayer, the gift of praise, the gift of witness, the gift of preaching, the gift of service, the gift of whatever it is, and making that the thing. Remember? The treasure you're storing up in your heart should be God. It should be God who is the treasure of your heart. Now, see, the thing is, Paul, towards the end of this chapter, is going to say, eagerly desire the gifts. He's going to say, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And this is where Paul and I, I think, would, if we were sitting down, uh, having a cup of coffee, would have quite a, a heated discussion, debate, argument, whatever you want to call it, about what he really meant there. Eagerly desire the greater gifts, but, Paul says, but, then I will show you a more excellent way. Eagerly desire the gifts, brothers and sisters, but I will show you a more excellent way. We're going to come on to this in a couple of weeks, like I say, but for now it's love. Your gifts don't mean a thing if you don't have love. And in two weeks, we're really going to dig into what it means to be a people of sacrificial, supernatural love. It doesn't matter how gifted you are if you don't have love. Without love, you could be the best at what you do, and it won't count for a thing. It won't matter. Because without love, it is like a hollow gong. That's the mistake the Corinthians have made. They've made an idol out of their gifts. They've stopped loving. They've made an idol out of their gifts, and they've stopped loving. Paul says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. There are different kinds of gifts. But the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God at work. Did you know, uh, when I was uh, researching this sermon series, I thought, you know, I'm going to see if I can find a list. I like a list. Not as much as Rachel likes a list, but I do like a list. I like a list of things. So I went online, and I went through concordances, and I spoke to some spiritual elders and theologians of great merit and worth, and I said, what's the definitive list of the gifts of the Spirit? Do you know there isn't one? There isn't a definitive list of the gifts of the Spirit. There isn't a definitive list of the gifts of God. We've got stuff here in Corinthians, particularly in chapter 12, uh, 13, 14 as well. Uh, We've got stuff in Romans, particularly in chapter 12 there. We've got stuff in Ephesians chapter 4. We've got stuff in 1 Peter 4. But none of those lists are exactly the same. I don't know if you've noticed that when you're reading. None of them, there are commonalities, but none of them are exactly the same. And that's because the authors of the Bible... The heart of the Bible is not to limit the gifts of God by giving us a definitive list. Here is the list, and here is the order in which you go through them. That's not the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is to direct us towards who? God. The purpose of the Bible is to direct us towards God. The gifts of God are many and varied, but it is the same God who gives them, the same Spirit, the same Lord. Finally, Our gifts are given for one reason. Now, I've chosen to say bless others, but you could put into here, build the church, because it's kind of the same thing. Give honor and glory to God, because it's the same thing. To lift up and encourage, it's the same thing. Our gifts are given not for us. They are not for us. Those of you who have been coming regularly will recognize this, one of my favorite mantras. Christianity is not about us. It is not us who matter. It is God who matters. We matter to God, so therefore we do matter, but God matters. Inherently, and maybe this is because I grew up in the 80s in the era of of yuppie culture and self-made millionaires. Inherently, I think we can all be, and I notice it in myself, very selfish at times. Perhaps that's something you recognize in your own lives as well. We can be quite selfish. You know, we want to keep things for ourselves, don't we? The special things we've been given. We want to keep them. We don't want to share them. Hey, you know what? I'm really good at praying, but because I'm really good at praying, I'm just going to keep that gift for myself. I'm really good at singing, but I'm not going to use that gift for others. I'm just going to keep it for my own glory. I'm going to make it all about me. I'm really good, I'm really good at sharing the gospel with people, but I'm not going to share it with anybody because it's for me. Do you know what I mean? That is what we can be like so many times, but it's not why God gifts us because we're all spiritual, yes? We know that gifts come from God and ultimately they're for his glory, so that's why we're given gifts. Why? For the common good. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We're going to go into this a lot more next week. But for now, just remember, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. We need to shift our mindsets from the individual blessing. And it is a blessing to receive the gifts of God. It is. Don't hear me wrong. But we need to shift it away from that, from the idolatry of the gift. 
onto remembering who gave us the gift and remembering that it's not for us, it's for others. Jesus reminds us of this. For from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. God gives us these gifts and then he asks us to build his church. God asks us to build his church with our gifts. If you've ever found yourself using the gift that God has given you to do anything other than building the church, lifting up and encouraging your sisters and brothers, if you've ever found your gift has eclipsed your love for others, then friends, you have been misusing your gift. And I do not want you to be confused about the spiritual realm. I do not want you to be confused about this spiritual matter. Our gifts are from God for his glory to bless others. This is how we are to live. This is how we are to be. We are to fight against our human nature to make idols of good things and keep one foot in the world one foot in Christ, and we are to go all in for Jesus. Because we're all spiritual people, not anyone more than any less. But some of us, some of you, better at recognizing what's getting in the way. Those gifts we're given, they come from God and they're for God, for his people, to build his church and his kingdom here on earth. So let's do that. Sisters and brothers, let's not be uninformed about the spiritual gifts, but let's build together the church of Christ by using them. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in gratitude for the gifts you have given us recognizing that they are an amazing blessing, that you have poured out your spirit upon us, and through your spirit you have given us much. Lord, we thank you for those who we know who have shared their gifts freely, for those who have blessed the church, who have built up the fellowship, the congregation, the community here, for those who have done so in churches across the world. And Lord, we ask now, We ask that you would help us to understand when we get in our own way. We don't want to be uninformed, Lord. We don't want to be getting this wrong. We want to be getting this right. We want to use our gifts for your kingdom, for your purposes, for your plans, for your people. So help us, we pray, Lord. Help us, we pray, to focus on you, the giver of all good things. And so as our music team come up and get ready to lead us in our final song. I just want to pray a blessing, a specific blessing over each and every one of you. Bless these people, Father God, these people here on site in the building, these people who are joining us online. Bless these people, Father God, that the Holy Spirit may rise up and overflow from them. Bless these people, Father God, with your gifts that your kingdom may be established and built. Lord, come set your rule and reign here in this place at this time through your people who you have called to yourself. 
In Jesus' name we pray and ask this. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Holton Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to keep in touch with you, so do reach out to us. You'll be able to find us at our website. That's www.holtonbaptists.org.uk. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram if you search for at Holton Baptists. And we hope that you will join us again next time as we share the word of God and the love of Jesus Christ with you. God bless.